Welcome back to Castle Rock AM. Reporting from the Attic of Needful Things, this is CM Alexander with the news. Rev up your engines, because the Motocops 2200 Parade Tour is coming through Castle Rock. The popular kids' show, featuring the likes of Rudy the Robot and Cassie Styles, will leap off the screen and onto the streets for one day only. A recent review of the parade from Wentworth, Ohio, said kids and adults had a blast. Everyone was really taken by storm. This has been Castle Rock AM. You're listening to Castle Rock AM. Welcome back to Castle Rock AM, your bi-weekly Richard Bachman book club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside CM Alexander. Hey there. And Benjamin Graham. What's up, eternal book nerds? And we are covering The Regulators, our Patreon selection from Anthony Natarelli, and we are covering through chapter four with Ben leading our discussion. Ben, take it away. Okay, so uh, this book, we have to start off with uh, what we are first given. Uh, this book starts with a map, y'all. Hell yeah. yeah. Love a book with a map. I I get so excited and I am really still upset that we didn't get a map at the beginning of Desperation. Richard Bachman's book that is the twinner of this, you know, his uh, alter ego, Stephen King mm-hmm. wrote. Yep. Mm-hmm. R.I.P., really. <laughs> Does anybody have anything to say? Uh, did anybody continually go back to the map yes. throughout yes. reading. Mm-hmm. I printed it out and it, I put it in, it's in the studio right now. We are uh, all looking at yeah, it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I took my book to work and scanned the page and then printed it out so that we could have it because I think it's so fucking cool. It, the, the specificity of where everyone is on the street mm-hmm. is weirdly important. Yes. And it's mm-hmm. easy to keep track of somehow. Yeah. With the map. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it, that's something I usually you, when I'm reading a book, it's not something I focus on. Mm-hmm. I don't really like lay out the characters like that, but Bachman does such a good uh, job of it. It's noticeable. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the street is a character. It, in regards to maps and books, because this is a very small contained map. It mm-hmm. is uh, it's Poplar Street and the house is on either side. And that's all of the city block we pretty much get. As opposed to, say, Lord of the Rings, where you have the entire world map. Right. Yeah. Like there, It's a, such a different scope. So when you open a book, you see a map. The size of the map gives you an idea of what you're in for. Mm-hmm. And I seeing a map so intimate made me so excited. Because, you know, I love those, those closed bottle stories. Yeah. And it's especially cool because having just read Desperation, you mm-hmm. look at the map. Yeah. <laughs> and you recognize so many of the names, which impossible should we talk about it now? About or? the impossible neighbors? <laughs> yeah. Do we talk about it now or do we wait until we get in, until we start meeting our characters? Let's, let's do it when we meet our characters. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, before we meet our characters and get into the story in chapter one, we have a postcard from William Guerin to his sister, Audrey Weiler. (laughs) Uh, I would talk about this, but I can't read it. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, because they don't teach cursive in school anymore. I know cursive, CM. I'm 35 years old. I'm a goddamn man. <laughs> I'm a man who can read cursive. Back well, off. But not, my fault. Sorry. not yeah. this handwriting. If this is, I'd love to know if it was Bachman's handwriting. Mm-hmm. Does anybody remember what it said? Because I didn't write down what it says. It is. Uh, I wrote down, ask you guys what it said. <laughs> I, I read it back. I read this. I read this twice, as I always do, and that's not gonna land. <laughs> we, we were lying. gonna, we were gonna let it, we were gonna let it live it's in a, the edit. Yeah, it's an alternate reality, CM. <laughs> I read it twice. I we actually do get it later on in the book. It's narrated. I've been listening to it, and I read it, so I do know what it yeah. says. It, it's uh, I kind of figured it out mm-hmm. from reading further. I'm like, oh, I know who these characters are now. What, what does it say, CM? It is a postcard, as you said, from Audrey's brother. And he and his wife and three children were driving through Nevada. And something oh. amazing happened. And like there's this huge breakthrough with Seth, who we don't know yet. And it's I didn't realize listening to this initially that we have the postcard here. Because obviously on Audible, you don't get that part. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. listeners, read it and listen to it. Do extra work. <laughs> this book is one you should get the physical. Yeah, you should. So you can see these these details. Yeah, the clippings mm-hmm. uh, that appear between each chapter are yeah. really mm-hmm. cool. Um, a very interesting way to uh, parcel out information that you're like, when you read it, why it is this nothing. here? Uh, <laughs> especially one we'll get to is, is kind of a like mind fuck. <laughs> But after after that, we get to the first chapter, which takes place on Poplar Street at 3.45 p.m., July 15th, 1996. As a note, I was eight years old. Well, what were you guys <laughs> up to when the regulators happened? I, getting a time, like getting a date in a book tells me one thing but when a book gives me a time stamp also it makes me so fucking hyped because you yeah. know you have to keep track it tells me i'm gonna have to keep track of how much happens in a given space yeah it, it for me it was the fact that the time stamp doesn't move very much yeah and that's awesome yeah. yeah the entire four chapters uh i wrote down the note the entire four chapters that we are covering here today take place in less than a half an hour. Holy it's shit. So quick, yeah. It's so quick and so brutal. We start out first by meeting the neighborhood itself. It's kind of the neighborhood, like you said, CM is a character, mm-hmm. but it's it's almost the idealized version of the Midwest in the 1990s. Yeah. It's like a, it reminds, it gives you a feel of one of those towns, like a nuclear testing site, (laughs) just very self-contained. Like, is this even real? Everything seems idealized right now. It's, I I thought of the town from Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's just bright pastel Mm -hmm. colors Mm -hmm. and, Everyone's got big, creepy black hole sun smiles. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It reminded me of the opening and closing narration from 
one of my favorite Bachman books, Needful Things. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The the like, oh, you're just rolling into town. <laughs> Let me take you on a tour. Yeah. It's uh, a geezer of a summer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the language is extremely yeah. <laughs> like, okay, this is happening in Ohio. Why isn't there why is there an old wizened man from Maine here? <laughs> with because of the way a Bachman story is going to go. The fact that we open in such a picturesque Americana area made me so nervous. <laughs> like it, I was un uneased immediately. Yeah, this maybe it's we're only four chapters in. I feel this desperation have opposite feelings than normal. Yeah, this yes. feels mm-hmm. more the way Bachman writes when he's writing his king. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. uh, a large cast. Well, I mean, Desperation was too, I guess. But it's it doesn't seem as cruel already. Yeah, not yet. Because mm-hmm. I like almost all of the characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm is, excited for two of them to die. I hope they die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we have the same too. Um, but we have this uh, like, this is a hard chapter to summarize. It is. Because it's just... It's just introducing all the people who live on the street. And it's so leisurely. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is taking its time to get to the stuff that really matters. It's setting the scene of feel how peaceful you feel now. Because mm-hmm. you're not going to feel that again. Now, since we haven't we haven't even landed on a character yet, we were, we're still in the introduction of the street. How was it for you guys hearing these names again after coming off of desperation. Very upsetting. <laughs> I, in one case. I know that you guys were into it and I don't know what my problem is with words, but I, it took me like three times listening through the intro to finally set aside the characters from desperation mm-hmm. and just be in it. It's, it's like there was, it's like, I had been given a rule and this information and then it all changed. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's a super fascinating choice. We should dis- we should explain yes. what's happening. Yes, yeah. So, uh if you don't know, we didn't talk about this during our desperation episodes. I think we mentioned like we mentioned we it during the movie episode a little bit. Sure. But desperation and uh the regulators were written side by side by Bachman. And this was years after he had retired the King persona, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the lore, which is uh, in the foreword of this book, Mm -hmm. is that, uh, you know, King's widow, Tabitha, bless her, found the finished manuscript for Desperation in a trunk Mm -hmm. and that she was like sending off to a collector Mm -hmm. or whatever. Sent it to Bachman, who then copy edited it. He says that uh, he changed... Only the stuff to update the references, because it was originally written in the 80s, big finger quotes. Uh, so he updated Ethan Hawke. Uh, Rob Lowe to yeah, Ethan Yeah, Rob Lowe to yeah. Ethan Hawke. That's good. It's, it's such a weird bit. I know, it's, I know. Why? Why do it this way? <laughs> I uh, think it's great. I love it. I absolutely, I yeah, because it's a challenge. And mm-hmm. I feel like the characters from one book they don't, I don't know, the way it colors 
your perception mm-hmm. in this book. And I think it's the correct order to read them in. Yeah. Agreed. Desperation. Absolutely. I read it the opposite way when I read these first mm. way. And Ooh. the reveals don't hit nearly as hard. Interesting. I bet. Because you wait most of the book to find out who Carrie Ripperton is. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, you don't yeah, find out. Yeah. Yeah. But right here, he's the first character we meet, uh, the paper boy. The 16-year-old paper boy. Weird. Yeah. There's there's no mirroring. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not a twinner book. It is a full-on different reality. I think that's what threw me off because it's like nothing made sense. I they, didn't know. They weren't I couldn't as direct. Follow, yeah, I couldn't follow the rules, so I didn't know what to expect mm-hmm. from each character as they came. Also, I did not appreciate that two siblings are now yeah. husband and wife and their parents are their children. The Carver's situation, the, Carvers, the name swap is something else. Uh, come that's, on, Bachman. That's, I love it. It, it, works, <laughs> it works as a reveal. It is written in such a way that you are obviously supposed to read this book second. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Because it uh, sets up these two small kids, uh, an 11-year-old girl and her six-year-old shitty little brother. And I thought I knew who those characters were. You're right. <laughs> they walk into a convenient mart that is at the bottom of the hill on uh, on Poplar Street. And there is a young girl behind the counter with two-tone hair. And you go, whoa, cool. <laughs> yeah. You know who that is. Mm-hmm. But they have this conversation. It's actually kind of cute. Mm, I like it this is. interaction. It's really nice. As a side note, I think this is some of Bachman's best writing for children. Uh, Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, really, since Clown. Um, (laughs) It's one of my favorite. We we covered Clown, right? (laughs) Yeah, we covered Clown. Yeah. 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 That one where Georgie Denbro's little brother gets killed by the clown. Oh, you mean that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I always call it Clown. (laughs) Yeah. It's that, yeah. (laughs) 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 Fucking nailed it. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, so the writing t- of the children, like, yeah, is great because Ralph uh, is Ralph is so fucking annoying mm-hmm. as this bratty little brother. The, the I love the Margaret the maggot, and then she introduces yeah. herself as Ellen and saying Margaret's my middle name. She's so like, dignified. It's so, yeah. yeah, she wants to see. It's tell you. It's clear that this. Like eleven year old girl wants this punk rock cashier to think she's cool. Yes, <laughs> it's cute, and I love that Cynthia catches on to that because she, mm-hmm. yeah, she's like, yeah, I had a little annoying little brother. Oh, and this is a big deal to her. Yeah. So. There's this awesome quote I wrote down uh, that Cynthia is watching them, and she sees that it's honestly getting mm-hmm. like Ellen is or Ellie, who we find out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, is like kind of embarrassed mm-hmm. and she thinks this girl is a prisoner of her time and her age which means all of this is perfectly serious to her yep. mm-hmm. that's so good yes yeah. it is the perfect explanation of that that experience of being a child mm-hmm. it's great so they're talking having this really cute interaction and then Cynthia says hi I'm new here my name's Cynthia and you go yeah obviously <laughs> and then they say Hi, I'm Ellie Carver. And you're like, what? what? <laughs> it's, it's, why? It's, I, that, this book is just all 
absolutely nuts choices. Do you think Bachman put a bunch of names in a hat <laughs> and then just grabbed him? He's like, yep, that one's the kid. Who's the other kid? Up oh, there we go. I don't know because everyone else is at least a little partly one-to-one, right? Maybe not Peter and Mary. Like, we haven't really learned that much about yeah. Peter and Mary. And we don't re- didn't really in the first book either. Mm-hmm. True. I, th- I think that the Carver name swap is for the, as we, we said, the, the reveal of going from desperation to regulators. Because when, it, before the reveal that her name is Ellie, we'd get the Margaret the Maggot. And mm-hmm. I didn't remember Pi's mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's Kirsten, but I didn't remember that offhand. So in my head, I was still on board with, yeah. oh, that's oh. interesting. So the little sister is now the older one. I mm-hmm. thought that's where we were going. And I think that it's for that hit, for her yeah. to be like, I'm Ellie. And you're like, that cannot possibly be true. <laughs> you're supposed to be angry. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's... And it doesn't get to you right away until mm. you meet the parents and go, yes. oh, right. Gross. Oh, Gross. right. <laughs> it changes the fact that they make the same observation that no one knows why David calls her Pi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. it's like, it changes it so much because in Desperation, it's like, oh, it's that like cute little mm-hmm. secret sibling thing, whatever. That was a big deal in Desperation. Yeah. That's why I'm grossed out. And exactly. And this, it becomes very much like a husband and wife. It's a different context. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> okay, she's just a pie. It's honestly, it's Josh's fault. My fault? What'd you do? When we covered Thinner. Oh, <laughs> I ruined I ruined pie for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we we actually don't meet uh, David and Pie just yet. We move on to Carrie Ripperton at the top of the street delivering the papers. I can't with like the idea of the Carrie Ripperton we knew, and then that that name being attached to this happy oh aspiring gosh, yeah. shortstop uh, who just wants to bang that redhead. <laughs> and is scared of Colleen Trajan. <laughs> Just a, what a sweet boy. Yes. <laughs> I think it's interesting because it him being the first character mm-hmm. that we meet. Or do we meet him before? We, Maybe he isn't the first character. He's, he's the first character that we get. Reference. Uh, like right. their narration Ooh. through. Like we get all of what Carrie's experience okay. is. Right. Um, him being set up where you're like, oh, it. I think one of you said that it's it's the letting us as the reader know, like, this is different. Yeah. And it also lets you know to what level, because we don't get a lot of time with Gary. <laughs> uh, but we do get him driving down the street. And the first house he delivers to is Brad and Belinda Josephson. They are great. Yeah. The only real note we get from the that beginning part is that Brad looks kind of like Bill Cosby. Ooh. Uh, yeah. A reference that didn't age well. Yeah. Also, the whole, like, there's this short thing where they're like, they're black, and they're black in the way that white people like their black people. And I'm oh like, uh-oh. Yeah. There's, so, there's some very, this was written in the 90s bits, because... He says yo a few too many times, <laughs> and it, there's some not great things. But 
Characteristically wise, I love them. Mm-hmm. Brad, I really like Brad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're just friendly people, and uh, we learn more about them later. Mm-hmm. But next, he delivers to their neighbor across the street. I'm looking at our map. Yes, one and only John Marinville. I tried so hard to make him an asshole in my head. I did too, <laughs> and it is impossible so far. The closest I could get it is, like, oh, he's singing and playing the guitar on his front step. He has neighbors. And then I'm like, wait, no, that's actually nice. I would actually enjoy that. <laughs> he's sitting out front pay, uh, playing the guitar. We get a funny aside that he paid Carrie not to deliver the paper to I him. I love that. Such a, that bit feels like Johnny Marinville. Yeah. That feels like it belongs. We move on to... Gary and Marielle Soderson are first. I hate them so much. They're rough. It's, uh, you know what? I was so shamed, though, because Gary is like this mostly drunk all the time, but kind of like nice guy that people don't mind. And his wife is just this huge bitch. And he's thinking about her in the shower is soaping her breast and he's it's like, oh, and maybe she like so weird. caresses her nipples. And as I was thinking, yeah, because that's what women do. Bachman was like, yeah, because that's what women do. <laughs> it's, it was great. The reason I, one of the many reasons I hate these characters so much is they remind me so much of the alpha couple from all those songs by my least Favorite. I, I hate this band so much. The Mountain Goats <laughs> fucking suck. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've said and it time and time again. Mm-hmm. It's it's exactly the same. It's uh, this couple who hates each other and still stays together because the dude's a drunk and they're codependent. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Gary has this moment where he's out by the garage, or he's out behind his house drinking straight gin yeah <laughs> and Dang. proud of it he has a whole routine a cool bit he's oh wait jack sawyer's mom lily lily sawyer mm-hmm. that that's the the ritual the uh, because oh, that's yeah. how she describes her gin order that mm. i knew that vermouth right. being adjacent to it was a bit from something and it just clicked nice. just now good pull yeah that's a thank good pull. you i never would have gotten that <laughs> So he drinks like a like a C list film actress is what we're trying yeah. to say. Yeah, and, that makes me like him a little better. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this bit where he's listening to Johnny play music, and he very briefly has this thought where he thinks of quote the reality of time's passage, how stark it is and unappealable. It passes the ear with a sound like iron, and then he's like, "I'm gonna go fuck my awful wife." <laughs> <laughs> it's such a it's he's so unlikable he contains multitudes he's edging <laughs> he calls her a dragon it's like no wonder she hates you no shit yeah <laughs> uh next we get house 248 the carvers uh david is out front washing his car in a speedo <laughs> Jeez. Why? I, this seems mean. He's just so soapy this entire I know, section. I, <laughs> I didn't notice that until like two chapters from now <laughs> when they're out standing yeah. in the middle of the street and someone's like, he's covered head to toe in soap. And I'm like, I'm just wearing a Speedo. I, I loved it. I thought that was such a great 
small window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also, it, this chapter's very economical. Is that the word I'm looking for? In the way it gives you characterization for yes. all these characters. Mm-hmm. Like you, you get them. You feel like mm-hmm. you get a good sense it's of them direct. as people. Because uh, Carrie has this little interaction. He throws the paper to David and David gives him th- finger guns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he calls it Mr. Carver's crippled but game effort to be cool. <laughs> and then thinks about how he will never wash his car and he's going to get a cool motorcycle I, like Johnny. Yeah. yeah, I love that he talks about a nine to five job is an affliction that happens to some people. <laughs> it's so good. It's, so it's at this point that Carrie notices behind him a big red van parked on the corner at the top of the street. Ooh. Didn't think anything of it. Uh, <laughs> that was my mistake. Interestingly, it is then followed up immediately by our first thing that, our, our first, our red herring, basically. If Is that how y'all Interesting. feel? Because it's the first thing in the entire book that feels off. Yes, we he reaches uh, Audrey Weiler's house, mm-hmm. and it is the first house that looks kind of cruddy, like the grass is dying. It's un needs painted. And uh, as he's about to throw the paper, he sees the outline of Mrs. Weiler standing in the doorway, topless. What an unbearably upsetting thing to see. It in is, that setting, like on a bright sunny day, when you're just delivering the paper and everybody is out. Yeah, and she's just staring blankly ahead. Mm-hmm. It's it is eerie. Yeah, and she's fa- like, it's she's far enough back that he's only pretty sure he can tell, mm-hmm. and that's it's that vagueness is so specific in how vague it yeah. is that it, it makes it haunting. Yeah, and as we learn what is about to happen. The fact that that this happens immediately after he sees the red van for the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! I didn't even piece that part together. It's got Audrey's poor Audrey. Fucking oh my a, god! Man. It's a nightmare. Because in this, oh, that's not even. In, we're not even going to reach this. Ben, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Cut that. I don't read ahead. <laughs> the uh, no, Ben. You, uh, you everybody knows you read ahead every, every time. Yeah. yeah, and I'm so good with names. God, yes. I, I wish CM sometimes doesn't even finish the reading before that's she shows true. up. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's finding out that Audrey. We've we've gotten very little glimpses when Carrie gives rundowns of people, mm-hmm. but when he is processing this, he's thinking about like she took in uh, her nephew who because there was a tragedy in the family Mm -hmm. and it's rumored that her husband committed suicide last year. He's like a really nice guy, gave him a gift. Uh And he died right around the time that the Hobarts across the street started, quote, (laughs) quote, when the Hobarts had that trouble. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, there's an abandoned house. There's an abandoned house that we haven't gotten uh, to. Between Peter and Mary Jackson and... The house at the end of the block, mm-hmm. which, well, we've already said the name, yeah. but it's, it, we'll get to it. Uh, Audrey just can't catch a break is all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As he moves past, he sees behind him a car coming up, and it is Peter Jackson from 244, uh, who, of course, lives with his wife, Mary. 
who is great. Who? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I I have my note for for Peter is Peter is a professor and loves the phrase bad boy. <laughs> He's That's true. wearing a t-shirt with that says bad boy on it and he calls Carrie a bad boy and he made me uncomfortable. <laughs> he seems like Peter. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. They're they're the normies on the block. Mm-hmm. He's got like a smiley face thing on. Yeah. Too. Yeah, it's, yeah. He's he's a dork. Whatever. Uh, I never cared about Peter anyway. Hmm. I'm interested to know if that changes by the end of this. That's true. Yeah, well, we get so little of Peter in the first book, so Mm -hmm. maybe I just have no attachment to him. Could be. Uh, Anyway, at that moment, Carrie is jump scared by a dog (laughs) named Hannibal. (laughs) It'll be fine. And then moves on to uh, 245, The Reeds. Out front, uh, two twins, Jim and Dave Reed, are playing frisbee, and there are two young ladies with them. The twins, the twin boys are like 18. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, yeah. I, <laughs> they're kids, but they're teenagers. Because I, I got lost in this too. I had to go back and like, wait, are they adults? Or I definitely had the feeling of them. Yeah, they're in like high 16. school. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't think, I, don't, I, think, I think they're if they're at youngest, I think seventeen. Yeah, they're. I think they're seniors in high school. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I think because Carrie's fourteen, and then I think Susie's sixteen, mm-hmm. and the other redhead girl is seventeen, and the boys are older. Mm-hmm. Something there was something in the reading that made me piece those numbers together. Mm-hmm. But I was also I kept thinking all kids at first. Yeah, they're not adults. I yeah. mean the the two boys are described as pretty fucking hot, so that's why I was like, wait, what? Yeah, no, the <laughs> moment later on where Belinda Josephson yeah. is like, the, the reads uh, fantasy of all housewives. I'm not like, uh-oh, bad touch. <laughs> Don't like it. She just always wanted to be a Chinese finger trap. Oh, no. Sorry, what? what? Oh, no. What? Wow. You can't. I already did it. I, I defy it. you to do that. <laughs> Upsetting. Let's move on. Uh, I thought that was every housewife's dream. Carrie impresses the redhead with some nuts and <laughs> not like that. And thinks about jerking it just right. And uh, <laughs> remains I have written here and remains unaware of his imminent virginal death. Ooh. Oh, spoiler. Got ba- classic Bachman. Uh, I we, love it. He's, he's, I love yeah. it every time. Yeah, because he also has a conversation with Tom Billingsley, the town's vet. Mm-hmm. About be playing shortstop and about how the next year's his year to be starting it's, shortstop. It and is like, a classic tasty omen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tasty omen. As omens. we always yes. say around here. Yeah. And at this point, as he is heading to the final house on the uh, on the street, which he's terrified of. Mm-hmm. And I love this too. Yes. Yeah. Because he is imagining the crazy ex-cop that lives at the end of the block. And, uh, you know, I forget what his rumor was because everyone has different information that about he, how... That he killed a bunch of kids for allegedly raping another kid. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's imagining him running out into the street with a gun. And us, as readers, <laughs> are like, oh, yeah. here it comes. <laughs> And as we are focused on the specter mm-hmm. of Kali and Trajan, 
the van at the top of the hill starts to roll. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's good, yeah. And from here on out, man, the, the rest of this reading, it just, it's Chaos. blow by blow yeah. pretty much. It's crazy. It is. And there's there's even a quote that it says, things are happening fast now, although no one on Poplar Street realizes it yet. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's so good. I also like that it's it briefly describes the red van in... Like, it'll go to the red van, it'll say, the it has a satellite dish on top. And then it the next time it talks about the red van, it'll describe something else that seems a little weird about it. So you start, at first, when it's brought up, you're like, okay, a red a van. van. Yeah. I know what a red van looks like. And the more it gets described, like, what the fuck is this mm-hmm. van? Yeah, by like the fourth or fifth time, there's a, it'll say, the van, and then in parentheses, is it a van? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, subtle. I love it. <laughs> Uh, and before we move on to chapter two, we get a newspaper clipping about the Garen family, who would have hit me harder had I been able to read the first uh, <laughs> uh, note, that all but one of them had been killed in a drive-by shooting. That happened in the front yard of a house in a nice neighborhood. Mm-hmm. In Denver? And yeah, um... Mm-hmm. Or it wasn't. It wasn't local. Somewhere else. It was somewhere it was where in someone in yeah. Ohio would have had to drive through Nevada to yeah. get there. Yes. <laughs> Chapter two starts off with Steve Ames, who I have the feeling is much older than yeah, in Desperation. He's described yeah. older. I feel like more like Johnny older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a Steve. Even if if he's not older, he's a Steve that never got past to being a roadie for all those years that Desperation Steve got past. He's just as good of a guy, but not as cool of a guy. Yeah. Yet. Maybe yeah, he'll maybe, get cool. Yeah. Did him getting immediately partnered up with Cynthia worry anyone? Made me really happy. I... Because I have a feeling, in if maybe it's just me, that I also imagine Cynthia is younger. I did not. I imagined her as no? the same. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I imagined her. Fair. Steve Ames had pulled into the parking lot of the convenience store. His yellow rider truck, <laughs> of course. Uh, mm-hmm. the engine gave out. And he was uh, looking at it when he sees the van coming. Well, here's the thing. Funny thing about Steve. He gets psychic nudges from time to time. Yeah. You know? I, I really like I that. I fucking love that. Because that's, that's what Cynthia mm-hmm. said in Desperation. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I love that Bachman gave that to Steve. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's when Steve sees it that we get the... Is, mm-hmm. is that a van? What the hell? Yeah, something's wrong. So Steve is standing in this parking lot and he sees the van coming and he has this almost a spider sense because like three seconds before he hears the bang, he's like, oh shit, something is wrong. When the bang comes, uh, I wrote down, Steve grew up in Texas and gunfire never got him erect. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that. We well, you know storms do, but apparently yeah. Gunfire yeah. Does. Well, oh, that's right. Thunder does, he, but not he gunfire. He grew up. It yeah. says he grew up in Texas, so when the shotgun goes mm-hmm. off, he doesn't mistake it for thunder. I really wanted to let you just like live with that forever, <laughs> but I couldn't. I'm glad this that is, you filled in that blank. This that has been another classic Castle Rock AM explain Ben's joke moment. <laughs> it's our our long running bit. Yeah. Anybody, anybody oh, want to go through what happens I, next? I sure do. We've been hyping up throwing this last newspaper to Kali and Trajan's mm-hmm. doorstep, and Carrie is so freaked out about it, he 
rears back and before he can throw forward the window on the van rolls down a shotgun barrel comes out of it and shoots Carrie Ripton in the back of the head straight off his bike and then the shotgun turns towards Ellie because Ellie uh, Ellie and Ralph are leaving the easy stop and they see the gun come out that way and there's this moment of like freeze where everybody knows that the Carver kids are about to get shot. It's extremely tense. Can I interrupt and say the part that made me laugh really hard? Yeah. This is this is a thousand percent just a Ben thing. Got it. Because it killed me. I like literally. <laughs> okay. When when Carrie is shot off the bike, he is reeling back to throw a newspaper. So a newspaper tumbles onto the ground behind him. And Hannibal sees it. Hannibal the dog uh-huh. sees it and jumps, starts running for it. And the part that killed me is that Jim Reed goes, Hannibal, no! And then throws a frisbee in a random direction. <laughs> Throwing a frisbee when... <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I'm sorry. That just, is pretty funny. Just imagine someone in extreme distress throwing a frisbee. It's, it's hilarious. I... The next time something terrible happens to me, I pray I'm holding a frisbee. <laughs> the end of seven, he opens the box <laughs> and sees, and he's, no! but he's holding, no! and then he throws a frisbee. Like that's the yeah. <laughs> In the opposite direction, he throws the head. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> no, Ben, I'm on board. That it's pretty funny. It's good, but I do love that it takes it causes Hannibal to run off, which. Ends up being uh, the thing that saves the Carvers is that the shotgun goes after Hannibal instead. I don't want to sound like I want people to shoot kids, but <laughs> if that was your goal, like, and you let a dog distract you, or did you just want to shoot whatever? Because they, they, whatever, whoever is behind this shoots the dog instead of the kids. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of playing on our expectations because we always know almost Mm -hmm. every book Bachman writes has kid violence. Mm -hmm. And so I I think, oh, everyone expects me to kill these kids. Mm -hmm. I'll do dog violence instead. And we're like, whoa, I've never seen that before. Yeah, that's true. If this story pans out the direction it's clearly headed, I have a feeling that it's because... Uh, a dog bark is scary, and that's what it reacted to. Because the dog is what tra- the the reason that it goes for uh-huh. instead of killing the kids, it kills Hannibal uh-huh. is because a, a dog is charging <sighs> the van threat. and it's uh-huh. barking, and that no that being a scary thing mm-hmm. reflexively reacts because a loud sudden noise from a direction grabbing grabbing its attention. More instinct than plan. Yeah, yeah exactly. Got it. Uh, like a, a, a weird, a weird like defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't want to respond to that <laughs> because <laughs> All right. I have further knowledge okay. of what happens. We get it. You read ahead. <laughs> <laughs> So the, all this chaos is happening. Cynthia had run out and tried to shield the kids. Uh, John or Steve. I'm usually so good. <laughs> um, Steve pulls the kids into his truck uh, to shield them. Everyone sprints toward the gunfire. Yeah. 
Everyone loves being in immediate (laughs) danger in this book. They love it. But here's the thing with the way we've established how quaint and peaceful this place Mm -hmm. is. The fact that everybody hears the gunshots, but nobody except for Steve's first idea is it's a gunshot. I guess Steve and Collie. Because there's a storm rolling in. Yeah. Steve and Collie both know that it's a gunshot when they hear it. But everybody else heard a loud noise and then sees trouble. And because it's that neighborly kind Mm -hmm. of community, everybody's running towards it because it can't be something as bad as what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A few quick notes that happen in here. David and Johnny hear the gunfire and Johnny mentions that he knows it's gunfire from his quote, pre kitty cat days. Yes. Interesting. (laughs) Uh, And John, we also learned Johnny is disdainful of the idea of quote, a serious writer. And I was like, ah, fuck. I like Johnny Marinville. Mm -hmm. He's great. But I do like that it adds he did spend time in Vietnam doing research for a book. Mm -hmm. Not the book he became famous for, but he was in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Cynthia thinks about being dead. She's she resigns herself Uh to being shot before it goes after Hannibal. That's the other thing that's fuck. It's Cynthia rules so much because she in, in any iteration of her, she is that kind of person who she leaps forward to protect those kids with her body, mm-hmm. despite the fact of thinking the it's going to kill these kids, too. All I've done is made him kill a third person. Yeah. She but she acts before she thinks because she cares yeah. so much. I love it. <laughs> Hope she lives forever. Uh, me, too. And before as the van is driving off, we finally get the entrance of who I hope is the hero of the book. Uh, if he is the hero of the book, I'll be so fucking happy. Kali and Trajan <laughs> yeah. charges yeah. out of his house almost exactly the way Carrie assumed he would. <laughs> Shirtless with a gun. <laughs> and only a towel. Yeah, covered in his, has half of his face has shaving cream mm-hmm. and he's wearing pink flip-flops. Yeah. And Love he him. immediately aims his illegally kept service <laughs> pistol at the van. And then only stops because he's like, oh, I'll go to jail. <laughs> that was also another really cool thing of do I shoot or don't I? And thinking if word gets out that I opened fire, mm-hmm. there are going to be a lot of people who are really happy to hear that. Yeah, he's got procedure in his mind the mm-hmm. whole time. Kali, we had Carrie's reason for why Kali was kicked mm-hmm. off the force. And then finding out Kali's reason, I think, is really cool. Yeah, I want to learn more about yeah. this because it sounds like he was set up. Yeah, so something, some crazy shit had to go down because it says he mm-hmm. tested positive for uh, heroin and cocaine, having never done either of those drugs. What shit luck. Like, if I test positive for something crazy, I at least want the joy of having tried it. <laughs> I love, that's very cute that you called it, that referred to it as what could be bad luck. That you would test positive (laughs) (laughs) and not elaborate setup. It would be the only way that happens. Bad luck. Oh, shit. I hate when I accidentally test positive for heroin. Okay, that's the anxiety in me that (laughs) I would somehow test positive for a drug I've never done. Immediately apologize. I'm sorry. I don't know how it got there. Just a few quick notes at the end of the chapter. Uh, Everyone completely ignores Kali. Like, no (laughs) one has any respect for the guy. Mm. Uh, They all, he tries to round everyone up in the the convenience shop. And also, 
as he's walking up the street, I like this characterization of uh, Brad that he's like huffing and puffing. Uh, mm-hmm. Kali wonders if he needs CPR. And there's a bit later where he uh, has a cute interaction with Belinda where she diagnoses him as big. <laughs> he diagnoses him with terminal thickness. <laughs> yeah, it's great. That's <laughs> so good. I could not uh, read Brad Josephson and not picture dad bodied or Selva. Yeah! Yes. yeah. I love that. I also made a note, this is the first time that Cynthia and Kali, uh, Cynthia and Steve get to meet Kali. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is the only time these three characters have ever been together. Huh. Wow, they got so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's one little note as everyone goes to their places for chapter three, is that it, it, this is the moment where I decided, oh, I really love Kali and Trajan. This is a cool character, is that as the Carvers are walking up the street, he's the only one that notices how upset Ellie is. Yeah. I, it is tragic how clear it is that David and Kirsten favor Ralph. That Ellie. little shit. Like, he is it such is, a little shit, it's too. It's so much. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> as, Later on, as he's being carted up the hill in Buster, his wagon, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he, Peter, like, mouths off at the kid. He makes, like, a, a cute little joke to Ralphie, and Ralphie responds with a jerk-off motion. Okay, yeah. that <laughs> almost made me like this kid. <laughs> I was like, this kid's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Put a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> And before we move on to chapter three, we have a clipping from the TV guide for the movie The Regulators. I, I it turns out it didn't doesn't exist. What? Yeah, I I try. I was searching for this movie just <sighs> in case. On. Really? Yeah, this is a fake. Because I the way it's written, I was like, yeah. is this a real movie? Because Bachman's <sighs> slipped- why does why is this blowing my mind? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's not that big of a. D- I was, because most of the time when we get a movie reference, it is a real movie. Mm-hmm. I was excited to watch that. <laughs> Bummer. Okay. Chapter three, Poplar Street, 3.58 p.m., July 15th, 1996. It has been eight minutes. Fucking mm. A. And when this showed up a second time, it made me think two things. Why give us all this information unless... Are we going to leave Poplar Street? Why why give the location if it doesn't it kind of implies that we're going to go somewhere else? Okay. No? I don't know. And the second question, which I think probably the answer is no is will we reach July 16th? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good question. So I can't trust your questions because you've read ahead. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Trust is profit. I've finished the book three times. <laughs> so, Kali, Steve, and Cynthia walk into the store as a blue van and a yellow van roll up to the corners at the top and bottom of the street. I gotta admit, this is the point where I was like, oh, these vans are a little fishy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the point. I thought this was like, oh, this is, there's some more to this. <laughs> I don't know. The red van had the super weird sci-fi... Uh, element of its windows rolled down real smoothly (laughs) (laughs) and a satellite dish on the top of course both equally strange Mm -hmm. yeah the blue van its tires are completely treadless 
and colored lights flash inside as though they are on a control panel. What are you guys thinking? CM, you've read this. Yes. No. No? No, this is, is my this, first Oh, time. yeah, we didn't talk about this at the top of the episode. Yeah. No, my first oh, time. This rules. What do you guys think is going on? What At this point, what was your theory? There's something to do with references we got in Desperation about the TV show that Pi liked, I think, that I think tie into these vans, but I don't know how. Oh, yet. yeah, motocops? Yeah. What, what are your favorite? Ben asked us what our favorite motocop is. Uh, uh, Ca- Cassidy, for sure. Hmm, good point. I like the dream floater. Yeah. Give me a big pink car. No face, though. Oh, yeah. I love the villains. The meat wagon. Check out that meat wagon you're dragging. (laughs) Mr. No Face. Mm, Someone's trying for an episode title. (laughs) Just gibberish. I'm so sorry. Uh, Okay, so so here's, here's my theory. This is a five characters in a cylinder. Uh, Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone, it's reminding me of the kid from the Twilight Zone movie who's controlling his whole family Mm. with his powers. It's a wonderful life. That's the feel that this story is giving me (laughs) right now. Yeah. Well, I won't say who is right. Okay. All right. But we get a hint at the end of this chapter. So these weird... these weird vans are coming up. Uh, Gary and Marielle suck. They've mm-hmm. been married for nine years, and I hate them. I'd like them to die as soon as possible, please. Mm. Uh, and at this point is the first time I wrote, everyone is just milling around in the street. Go inside. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? The danger's passed. The red van's gone. This is also when we get the reveal of uh, Pat the Kitty Cat author, Jack, J- Johnny Marinville. His cat, what, cat detective is what his children's yeah. books are. Yeah. I fucking love that. <laughs> and I love that he's, it makes him still a national a book award winner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this is the, he, Johnny's the one who decides to do something first and runs inside to call the cops. And first it rings. And then not like an automated message answering, but instead a, a very dirty rhyme. <laughs> Ooh, I hated it. It's, it's so bad. I don't, the, yeah. the I don't know what this itty bitty baby schmitty thing that is happening. No clue. It, I don't have a theory that fits that part into it yet. Yeah, because it grosses me out so it's hard. So upsetting. I hate it. Yes. But it's just he he picks up the Johnny picks up the phone to call the police, and it's this a voice that he said it sounds familiar, even though it couldn't possibly. Mm-hmm. And it they sound sick somehow, like they have like a mm-hmm. like a stuffy or scraggly voice. Don't you call here no more, you <laughs> old fool. Tack. Yeah. It's like fuck. Mm-hmm. Drops a tack. And that mm, gets me. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then he tries, and then the lines are completely silent when he picks up the phone to call again. So yeah. it's yeah, that was his one phone call. Ugh. Yeah, at this point it goes back outside and it kind of drifts around, everyone mm-hmm. talking to each other. David catches Peter up and is still a sanctimonious soapy prayer boy. <laughs> um, but oh my I, gosh, I, I'm sorry. You talked about soap earlier, and I was just imagining how hilarious that looks. And just, I just remember, <laughs> yeah, I just realized oh, what that's you were why I brought, yeah, because he was yeah. covered in soap the whole book in both books. Oh. Yeah, see, Man, this was the point sick, where it hit me so. too. I am sick. Yeah, I can't be blamed. Yeah, um, <laughs> you get a pass. So I, I just wanted to ask because, like, so much of the book so far, we're three chapters in, and so much of it has just been neighborly niceties. Mm-hmm. Does it work for you? It's. I feel like. 
I have walked halfway down this street, and that's all that's happened. Is that a positive or a negative? Neither. It's just, I'm. I guess. Well, I guess it's a positive because I just want to keep reading and figure yes. out what's going on. Yes. Yeah. This is the first time in a while that I've had trouble stopping. Oh no, no. Nah, I never mind. It's I. I do that you all the just time. Plow <laughs> Uh, a small this is one of those small details but in talking about spending all this time with these neighbors mm -hmm. if i remember it the next thing is peter wanting to cover up carrie's body with a tarp that's kind of like our, mm -hmm. the next point and so there's a conversation where uh him and tom have a conversation about doing it mm -hmm. but the small detail that i love is that over in the brad belinda front yard where they're having that conversation where he was diagnosed with terminal thickness mm -hmm. and she's giving him shit like i love that she's like you did not run all the way down the end of the street and he's like woman i did calm down but he is still not all the way caught his breath but he sees them grab the tarp start to walk and instinct makes him be like yep i'm gonna go help mm -hmm. too and belinda has to stop him and i just think it's a cool thing that shows the kind of people the two of them yeah. are so, so well. There's a small moment here while every all the adults are talking where Peter looks up the street and sees the blue van mm -hmm. and is like, something's wrong. And so does Ralphie. Someone asks, what did the van look like that shot Carrie? And they say, red. And Ralphie says, yeah, Red like tracker arrow. And we're like, huh? <laughs> yeah, cool kid. <laughs> but later on, no one's listening to Ralphie. Mm -hmm. And Ralphie's the first one to be like, no, what's up? I yeah. have clues. Yeah. And the reason why is insane. <laughs> uh, but first, they go to cover up Carrie. We cut to Kim Geller and me looking at the map to figure out who Kim Geller was. <laughs> I did the same thing. Uh, did anybody else think the scene was weird? I think it it feels a little out of place just because those that is the only house that hasn't really done anything yet besides the, the Weiler house. W what about you, CM? What I thought was weird about this was it showed cruelty to the the teen girl who Carrie had kind of liked so much mm -hmm. she just came off as kind of a thoughtless cruel yeah girl. it's yeah. weird mm -hmm. they're way too excited about to this see a dead, dead body. body yeah for a kid who she was just like talking to a minute ago yeah it, it, it was mostly the mostly like, the redhead not Susie. yeah right. yeah i don't know it made me go oh something's, something's wrong gross. there yeah. i was expecting oh we have our audrey weiler because if everyone's names and stuff are switched around, maybe their roles in the story are as well. Yeah. People keep predicting a tornado. Yeah, the storm has been rolling in. Mm -hmm. Like, they know it's supposed to be bad this afternoon, but it's been this, for the past eight minutes, a ticking clock over mm -hmm. us. Well, just I, like desperation. Yeah. 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 Well, if we don't see a tornado by the end of this book, I'm rioting. <laughs> um, Steve has got to get hard. <laughs> <laughs> this is the time mary is coming home from work home oh, the changes to mary jackson mary is having an affair with a guy at work she doesn't even really like anything about him except his penis which i guess 
would be a motivation. To right, have if you're gonna affair. have an affair, yeah, I guess that's I the hope reason. You like the penis. Yeah. And she's not wearing any underwear, which is gonna be a thing. Which is inexplicably apparently important. No, I love this. Mm-hmm. The- it's- sure you do. <laughs> Big fella. <laughs> the reason I love this is because so everything that happens today has taken place on a day that nothing was important. It is it is just a a day that you kind of think the consequences of this day mm-hmm. are don't matter any more than any other. And the fact that she the reason she's not wearing underwear is because they were ripped off of her in a fit of passion and are lying under the hotel mattress of uh, where they were. And if this were a day like any other, the fact that she knows she can go, she knows she's going to go home, she can put on a new uh, pair of panties. Peter will never have a reason to suspect mm-hmm. anything else. So it's fine. There's no risk in doing this. Mm-hmm. And then and she totally panics when she turns the corner and everyone's yeah! just on their lawns. And she's like, they know. Yes. <laughs> I love that moment too. Cause it's, we went through so much with Mary mm-hmm. and then now like we're going through something else with her. That's just such a, like more of a personal internal issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, we don't get much time to consider this, because as she turns onto the street, she is suddenly rear-ended from behind by a big, crazy yellow van. Man, she got rammed twice in one day. (laughs) Heyo! Amazing. Nice. Uh, And before we move on to chapter four, this is the one clipping we have to talk about. Yes, we do. Because it's crazy. (laughs) It is a clipping... From, like, a trade magazine, I guess, about toys, talking about the biggest hit toy of 1996, the Motocops, Mm -hmm. and their big, crazy, multicolored vans, which, hilarious. Yes. As we (laughs) get more, like, descriptions of what's going on with these vans... Uh, I have to see this cartoon. Um, I, I'll, I can read all the names. I took note of all yes. of them. So we, there are three of them that we don't hear about. But so far, we know about Colonel Henry's Yellow Justice Wagon, Snake Hunter's Red Tracker Arrow, Rudy the Robot's Silver Rudy Toot, Cassie Styles' Mary Kay Pink Dream Floater, and No Face's Black Meat Wagon. No Face has no face. No Face has no face meat wagon i feel like <laughs> that would be the one i would want yeah oh absolutely <laughs> and and I, even though the the barely disguised nazi symbolism is not great not uh, super great no but that's also just like a cartoons from the 90s thing yeah uh, like all that was a, just a real thing yeah cobra commander like mm-hmm. fucking you know but it's like if a uh if a hearse and a Humvee had a baby, that's what the meat wagon is in it's my head. It's just so funny that they're vans. It really is. But they're also power wagons, okay, I'm Ben. Show some respect. Yeah. I'm imagining the meat wagon is a food truck, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I I just love because I can picture it's as a little kid in that grew up in the 90s that had more toys than friends. I can picture these toys so perfectly. Did yeah. you did you see the photos that were posted on our Discord? What? Of the, no. Of the power wagon. Okay. So uh, for for those of you who don't know, uh, check out the, the Dairy Public Radio Discord. We have we 
have book talk conversations on our Discord all the time. Join us. Uh, we had a listener post that uh, they bought a collector's edition of the Regulators. And the this specific collector's edition, there were 552 signed books. And each of them, I'll, I'll just read what it says in the book. Uh, it's a canceled check is on the inside of this book. And it is... This check was obtained from the Bachman estate to authorize the limited edition of this novelization of The Regulators by Richard Bachman. Of 552 signed books, the check number designates the number or letter of this copy. And this is a check Richard Bachman wrote to the Lincoln Tunnel Authority for $65 for a fee to tow a car. So that's okay. Oh. The Bachman then, estate, that has to be a typo. Right, yeah, like something's, uh, and then that's the power wagon. That's insane. That's cool. Chapter four, Poplar Street, 409, July 15th, Fucking. 1996. It's been 24 minutes. <laughs> and this chapter starts with, he sees everything. Okay, this, I love that this whole section we get from Johnny's perspective because it's Johnny's curse. Johnny mm-hmm. has the same curse and it's that he sees everything he can't escape from seeing everything so he sees the van is about to hit mary with just crystal clarity before anybody can do anything and the van slams into the car and then just keeps pushing it forward and uh it slams her into a fence and then backs up and takes off and mary gets out of the car Brad and Johnny see that the blue van, which is coming the opposite way up the street, the windshield rolls down. Mm, that's upsetting. Okay, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember these details, and I cannot believe I forgot them. That's so, it's fucking madness. Because then when the windshield rolls down, Johnny sees the ghost of a Confederate soldier. Yep. Who looks, I, you can, I can also conjure the the way he describes how they're lit as though they are black and white, mm-hmm. but they're, it's like they're being filtered through a light somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like the fright. Foggy. Yes. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Like yeah. the fright. Like the fright. Awesome. Yes. Oh, I want to watch the frighteners. I'm going to go home and watch the frighteners. <laughs> and then the other person, it, it's a non-human. They can't tell what this person looks like, but Johnny can say it's not a human person. Mm-hmm. Just a quick note, it, mm-hmm. the the tracker guy is not dressed in a Confederate uniform. Right. The alien is, and oh, he's yes. dressed like an old-timey, like frontiersman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, you guys. Sorry, I just have to say this in case you can hear it on the episode. There's a storm rolling in, in the studio. How convenient, because throughout, <laughs> this is the scene where the storm yeah, starts. Yeah, the rain starts. Yeah. And which made me I like it's kind of weird because why is Mary this? Why is the second time the significance of the start of the storm? Hmm. I don't know. But it is very cool uh, because as the windshield slides down, I love there's this little bit of writing where Johnny is looking at the van coming on and the windshield slides down into the front of the car and the book goes the windshield goes down, slides down. Yes. <laughs> as, <laughs> as though, yeah, can you believe that shit? 
and I can't because it's nuts. Did you? That'd be so fucking weird. Just draw, seeing a car drive towards you and seeing the windshield mm-hmm. just slide. I would crash because I, I wouldn't be paying attention it's to anything fucking else. Fucking crazy. Uh, but then uh, another, we get another shock, and the fact that it's shotguns, it's all shotguns, mm-hmm. is something else. I'm dying to find out what the significance of that is. But shotgun fires off three times, and the last one takes the whole side mm-hmm. of Mary's head off. And she flops to the ground and Johnny has a clear view of an upskirt that she's not wearing underwear. And And that's right. And And that (laughs) that brings us to our favorite bit, a classic Castle Rock AM bit. Play the sting for Pussy Clam Jam. Pussy Palaver. I've never liked the name. Pussy Palaver is the best. I've I've always hated this bit. (laughs) (laughs) This bit always sends sends, uh, CM into a catatonic state. The problem is that... That that uh, affected you in a very real way. I just... Something magical just happened. (laughs) Play the sting! <laughs> oh my god! You guys are killing me That's today. Oh my so god! Good. I can't Jesus. handle any of this. <laughs> uh, and it's just uh, as before. I, uh, where were we? <laughs> we, so, we Johnny sees the aftermath. Yeah, yes. Johnny's savvy, so he recognizes. Hey, maybe what Peter doesn't need yep. is to. Wonder not only why was my wife needlessly murdered, mm-hmm. but why wasn't she wearing underwear? She can never answer that question for me. Uh-huh. So he does the gentlemanly thing and discreetly covers her, like push, pushes her legs together so that he's the only one who will see that, except for, except for Gary. Gary. But Gary's yeah. drunk. Oh, we should and all know. While, while he's been dealing with this, David Carver's been shot in the stomach also. Oh, yeah. Johnny's, yes. Johnny's trying to over. process this. <laughs> because it happens, on, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Because it happens on the other side of the fan. He doesn't yeah, see he has it. no idea. It, it's so sudden and shocking to mm-hmm. us because we're like, yeah, David, he's like the adult version of the David yeah. we know. And no, he's not main character oh, material. No. He's gone. Yeah. A few quick notes. I don't know if they're really worth bringing up, but as Mary is shot and she like spins and half of her face is Gus fringed. Mm. And as the storm is coming, lightning flashes. And it is the second time in the book where lightning shines off of the eyes of a, of the dead of the Mm -hmm. victims. It's just cool. I don't think it means anything. It's just cool. (laughs) And then lightning strikes the chimney of the Hobart house. So now there's a house fire to deal with. So much happening. It's fucking so much is happening in this, like, all at once. It's if I were in this situation, I would, I get why everyone's standing in the street. You would just be turning in circles. I would just be screaming, what's going on? Yeah, you're just turning in circles, trying to figure out where to go and what to do. And, like, they had uh, the Reed twins ran up and, like, grabbed the the Carver kids uh, and got them inside. And I think the next time we see Ralph, he's, like catatonic almost sucking on his thumb just whispering Mm -hmm. dream floater over and over Mm -hmm. I think there's much mourning and wailing in the street the carvers find David Peter finds Mary and they they scream and cry in the aftermath in the chaos Johnny notices that everybody's on the street except for Audrey and her nephew Seth who she has adopted 
and is taken care of and is oddly missing. <laughs> and then he looks up the street and sees there's two more fucking vans. And Ralphie again is the one to notice mm-hmm. and properly identify it. He goes stiff and screams dream floater. Again, a hilarious thing to scream mm-hmm. upset, upsetting <laughs> And this pink and black van roll down the street. The van, the, the, the meat wagon. Mm. The meat wagon. I'm more stuck on Johnny looking into No Face's No Face. Because when <laughs> I thought No Face, I thought blank from Dick Tracy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. Void Face. Yeah. Which is what we get. Like yeah. that uh, guy from no, My Hero Academia. Yeah. With the Dream Floater and Meat Wagon coming towards our cast of characters, we leave off with a letter from Audrey Weiler to Janice Conroy. Wow. This letter. Mm-hmm. We we get a, a lot of very important information off the top. It's from two years prior to what has happened now. And it's talking about that she's taken in Seth, who is, uh, we find out Seth is autistic. Uh, Seth loves motocops more than anything else in the world. And she also doesn't know where he got all these toys because she looked them up and they're way more money for these toys than her brother's mm-hmm. family would have spent on toys. But he has these these motocops toys. And things have been a little weird since she took Seth and there have been some poltergeist-esque activity around the house that's been hard to explain. And the last time she talked to Bill, her brother, she notices that he seemed different. It was Mm -hmm. like talking to a pod person version of her brother because the card that we read at the very beginning, well, some of us read at the very beginning, (laughs) that mentions a breakthrough Mm -hmm. with Seth. Instead of, like, there's like five exclamation points behind the word breakthrough. But when she gets him on the phone, he's very like, oh, yeah, he he was talking. Uh, he we were we were driving through uh, down Highway 50, uh, you know, the loneliest highway in America. You probably never heard of it uh, past this town called Desperation. And we there was this big pit. And as we're going past it, Seth strings together like 17 words in a row, which is now that she has lived with Seth mm-hmm. for as long as she has, she knows what an insane deal 17 connecting words are for his uh, level. And Bill's postcard made it sound like something big was happening. But when he's on the phone, he just says that he downplays it. Yeah. He just like, yeah, he, he, he talked, he said that uh, it reminded him of um, uh, the town from Gunsmoke. Essentially. I don't remember mm-hmm. what, what exactly he says, but that's sure. the, and that he like begged us to circle back, but we couldn't stop. We didn't have time to stop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she also points that out of like, if he made that big a deal, he would have bought that town and lived (laughs) there forever. Like that's the the excitement level. But now he's just saying, no, we we couldn't stop. We had other things to do. And gives her that monotone blow her off thing for the rest of that conversation. So she never had a chance to get to the bottom of it and points out that uh, in regards to the police investigation about the murder, that oddly enough, the police still haven't been able to identify the caliber of gun mm-hmm. that was used to kill the entire family. And Joe, the friends they were visiting, said that uh, the whole family 
except for Seth, seemed odd the entire time they were there. Mm-hmm. But who knows? And that's where, that's where we leave things off. That's this note. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. It gets crazier, uh, y'all. I'm so fucking excited for where this book's gonna go. Me and too. I, I, I'm, yeah, definitely the the seeds are all there. The pieces are all all out there to give me that. Like I said, the uh, bringing maybe bringing cartoons to life kind of a, a scenario. But I'm really excited to see what where Tack enters into all of this, and if it's anything like the Tack we've known before. That's it for this episode of Castle Rock AM. Thank you all for listening. Join us for our next episode where we will be covering through chapter eight. For Benjamin Graham and CM Alexander, I'm Joshua Khan asking you, what in the name of Jesus H. Soda Pop Christ happened? Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to The Regulators Part 1. We hope you enjoyed it. As Josh mentioned, you can keep up with us and others and have fun discussions on our Discord, which is linked in the show notes. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dairy Public Radio and Twitter at Dairy Public. You can also email us at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.